Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host with the most, as always, Adela Marcy. And as I said, season five, we are kicking things off in a big, big way. Now, I'm really glad to have um, our next guest on the show, simply because I've known her for, I want to say six years? 2000, no, it's not, 2013, so five years. Uh, it should be six years by the time this airs anyway, but still. Um, I've known Debbie for absolutely ages, and she is someone that consistently impresses me. I'm so glad that we got back in touch. Um, kind of more one of those people I kind of look at and keep tabs on from far away, and I'm like, yeah, I should totally check out with them. Um, I'm so glad that I actually managed to get her to say yes, come on the show, um, mainly because she's amazing, and I really want to get her to uh, share her advice and expertise. Debbie, thank you for doing this, and welcome to the show. Oh, this is great, Oh, Thank you so much for having me. It is great to be connected again. Uh, you know, we were all on, you know, Ryan's Ryan's group a while ago, and uh, that was that was where I met lots of really wonderful people, including you. Yeah, I remember. Like, I remember reading through the messages like the very first time since we spoke, and I was like, "Wow, we actually did get on a call." And I remember like helping her through with something, but I don't even remember what it was. I was like, "This is kind of cool." Everyone helped everyone. It was lovely. Yeah. Um, and th that's why I'm really glad to have you on the show today because I've seen you go from one position of your life to retrain completely and go do something else in your life and take ass <laughs> with it. It's amazing. Um, so just to give you guys a, just a real quick shout out to our sponsors for this episode today. We are sponsored by, as always, storysellingemails.com. Go there, sign up, understand how to write better emails. But we're also sponsored by Deborah C. Owen. Oh, wait, is it? Yeah. Deborah C. Owen.com. I for some right. reason, I wanted to add an S at the end of that, but it is. No, no, no. Singular. <laughs> singular Owen. Um, so, yeah, guys, check out both sites. Make sure you get started. Check out Deborah's work because what we're going to be covering in this episode is going to be kind of fun, per usual. You guys know what I'm like. But, yeah, Deborah. Uh, so, my first question, really, more than anything, like, because I I've, don't know if I've ever asked you this, mm. but I'm going to ask now. It's like, how did you actually get into copywriting? Because like you virtually retrained a couple of years ago, right. uh, more than a couple of years ago, and went into this field. And now you know you've you're starting to accumulate a lot of success, a lot of um, traction, and it's amazing. But how did you get your start? What was it that brought you into the fold? Well, you know that it is it has been a journey, and I think that's one of the things that's actually kind of worth talking about because so many business people. People start out thinking they're going to do one thing and end up doing something different. Yeah. And um, but I'll give you the, the quick overview of the arc of how I ended up doing this. And that is, um, I was a public school library teacher for a really long time. And my, my major role as a library teacher was to teach reluctant teenagers how to do research. So if you think your job is hard. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Um, I loved the I loved working with the kids. I really did. They were great. Um, and I was kind of a geek about the whole research thing, uh, which actually plays right into being a copywriter, obviously. So, so um, but I left I left teaching for a variety of other reasons. One of which was just I was ready to to have more autonomy and do my own thing, which you just can't do as a teacher, and and you can't do in many corporate positions either. Um, so it was just time to do something different. And so I took what I knew about working with kids and I started working as a parenting coach. And I think that's when you and I first met as I was struggling to get my parenting coaching business off the ground. I had a bunch of coaching certifications behind me. And um, the thing was, I didn't know about marketing and I was learning as fast as I could. That's why I was in Ryan's group. That's why I bought Todd Brown's program. I bought Jeff Walker's program. I bought, I mean, you name it, I, I paid money for it and went through the programs, but I still just, I didn't have anybody to hold my hand and I didn't get get it. And so um, eventually, kind of desperate for money, I was on Todd Brown's list and he was looking for somebody to do content management for him. And I said, heck, I can write. You know, I've got a, an Amazon best-selling book. I had peer-reviewed journal articles. I had probably 150 blog articles I'd written for myself at that point. And uh, Todd Brown hired me. And so sure enough, I was with Todd for close to a year. And basically, my role with him was to... Um, channel his thoughts into blog posts and emails for his tribe and do you think I learned a little bit about marketing <laughs> just a little not just a, lot. a just little a, just bit just a smidgen just a little bit channeling Todd Brown I mean what an education it was really amazing um anyway uh, after a while he was he was just like no nah, I really just need to focus on funnels that's what I do best and I don't get this whole content marketing thing and 
And so we parted amicably and he continues to um, say very nice things about me to everybody that he runs into, which I sincerely appreciate. He is the cream of the crop. He's an amazing human being. And I get clients from him periodically, so um, which is terrific. But the long and the short of it is after I left uh, Todd, I realized I really, you know, I just can't write blog articles for $150 each. And you can't have a business doing that. So um, that's when I decided to start studying copywriting. And I studied with some really great instructors and I'm still working with, um, right now I'm working with an A-list copywriter who sees everything that I write. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm constantly learning about, you know, what does it take to be a great copywriter? What does it take to be a great writer? What does it take to be a great marketer? You know? So, I was going to say, wait, which, which uh, copywriter? I'm working with Kim Schwamm. Oh, Kim. I love Kim. She's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I still so, haven't got on the show, but, like, she's someone I really want to bring into the show because she's just brilliant. yeah, yeah. Yep, and I, I've studied with Lucas, and I know he's been on the show. I've studied with Chris Orskowski, and I've studied with uh, Dan Meredith and, you know, a few other people as well. So, um, yeah, it's been that, – that's the, the quick overview of how I got from there to here. And actually what I'm doing right now is I'm parlaying my understanding of content and copy into really helping business owners become the authority in their specific niche or market – based on creating their own book and uh, building a business based on their book. And um, that's, that's something that I'm having a lot of fun doing. I have a couple of clients I'm working with right now. And, um, you know, we start with, with understanding what their system is. You know, everybody has a system. They just don't always know what that system is. And my job as, as a coach, I, you know, I'm pulling all these things from my background and, and creating this kind of unique opportunity you know, I'm, I'm helping people identify what is the, the system that they do that they use to help their clients get success? How do they help their clients get results? And then we codify that system, give it a name so it's proprietary. We put it into their book and that becomes the manuscript for everything else they do for, you know, coaching, for um, uh, book camps, for products, for absolutely everything. And it starts with understanding your system and putting it into a book. That's incredible. So my question really here is because like book marketing has been like building authority off a book is, is not new, but right. my, my whole ruling for this is I have this whole problem with everyone producing books when they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Right. Like, it's the same as like, I don't like people that um, go out and teach copywriting and they're like, oh my God, yes, I'm going to teach copywriting. I was like, bitch, how long have you been in this industry? Like a right. minute? Shut up. Go, go get some runs and come back and talk to me. Yeah. It, it constantly makes me laugh. Like everyone that's heard me rant on this knows what I'm on about. But with book marketing, and one of the things I definitely do know about you, because again, I do my research and I know you, I speak to the people that we all speak to, yeah. is you do something different. You don't tell someone to write a book just for the basis of writing a book. You actually get them to write a book to impart wisdom. So when someone reads right. their book, it's like you've impacted someone's life. You've actually given them a service. And now it's building the authority that not only have you written a book, but you've written a book that actually helps people. Right. So my right. question that, is, mm -hmm, go ahead. so my question was literally going to be like, what was one of the big key differences that people can take away from to truly understand how to write that book? Because a lot of people write a book and it's just their story, but there's literally no, there's no substance to it. That is really true. Um, and then they get all their friends to buy it and they say that they're a number one bestseller, even though um, there's nothing really valuable. in <laughs> You're right. Too many people who, who, who try to do that. Um, the difference really starts with understanding what is your system for success. And like I said, a lot of people have trouble articulating that. And that's something that I'm pretty good at is helping people figure out what is that system for success. And if you already know what that is, if you've already got your, you know, dance to success system and the D stands for this and the A stands for this or something like that, that's great. Then I can still help you identify how do you create a book based on that system that still provides value. And a lot of it is stories, because when we tell stories uh, about other people's success, what we're doing is we're helping people identify kind of the left brain um, linear types of, you know, fact-based stuff. Okay, this is what you do, and this is what you do, and this is what you do, with the right brain kind of idea that there's hope, that there's um, emotion behind it and you combine both of those in a story and all of a sudden people say oh i get it 
that's what makes sense. I can do this too. And so that's a big part of any kind of content that, or even copy for that matter, when you're writing or you're speaking, you want to give people the sense that they have, they have some hope that somebody else has done the same kind of thing and they can do this too. And, and then you have proof that you can demonstrate that. Yeah, entirely. Of course you can. And that's something that really bugs me. Again, it's kind of that whole thing of um, people that don't demonstrate it. That's for one. But with, And again, you touched on this quite powerfully, and that is people have a hard time articulating it. So if we delve down a little bit deeper here, do you actually, are you like me in the sense of that you kind of like intuitively figure something out? Or do you have a system in place that actually helps people walk through the process of figuring out exactly um, how to find how to articulate what they do like i do i do have a system am i allowed to to be cheeky and ask a little bit about what it's absolutely absolutely well i'll give you i'll give you the overview of of my authority system it actually goes under the word authority so a is awareness of yourself and that comes down to mindset right and and understanding what makes you tick and where your where your perceived obstacles are and things like that so you got you got to start with yourself um and then that, and also who it is you want to be, and that goes into branding and things like that. And, and so we talk about that as well. And then the, the you under authority is for understanding your ideal client. And because I'm a copywriter, I bring to I bring to bear um, all of those aspects of understanding the, the market that every copywriter absolutely has to have. And so I work with my clients to identify who their ideal client is based on who. The, you know, the market that they're trying to speak to and, and the, the problem they're trying to solve. And then the T is the theoretical solution to a real problem. You know, we've identified the problem that the client has. And then now we come up with a, well, what if kind of a thing? What's, what, what if we could solve this problem? What might it look like? And we come up with a bunch of ideas. And then H is to hack the competition. I don't actually like the word hack, but it was the only good H I could come up with. Um, so hack the competition. Again, that's the copywriting piece of this. you got to look at the the um, the market level awareness and sophistication and all of that other thing, understand what the competition is actually offering. Does it work all the time? Does it only work for some people? When when does it not work? That kind of a thing. O is to open a relationship, and that has a lot to do with uh, content marketing. And you know that's where the book comes into play. Ident- beginning a relationship with your target client. R is recounting your story or stories. And that could be your personal story about, you know, your, your rags to riches story. It could be your client's stories. But storytelling is really important. So R is all about recounting stories. I is integrating your offer. And this is where we take the, the whole idea of the book, the content marketing, the relationship, the stories. And we identify that, you know, some people are going to only be willing to pay seven bucks for your book. And that's it. And other people are going to be willing to pay $20,000 to have you work with them one-on-one. And all of the other offers that take place in between the $7 and the $20,000. So how do you integrate that offer? And then the T is building trust through transformation. And that is what's the transformation you're looking for? How does that lead into trust with your target audience? And then why is your next steps and identifying what you're going to do next and, and making a plan? So, I mean, that's my system, and I actually work, I walk my clients through it, and we, um, we go through the whole process. That is so cool. I really like that, and there's something I want to kind of touch upon right here, which is something I know I struggle with, and I know a lot of other people struggle with as well because, you know, you have these conversations in communities, and that is that idea of content, uh, content marketing. Right. And what I mean by that, it's – so – I'll give you a couple of different um, problems and sticking points I've seen from other people, including one I have for myself. Yeah. Like the one I have for me is how the hell do I actually write what I know down? Because where, how my mind works is quite simply is um, I, I have a polymath. Uh, I have a polymath's brain in the sense that I draw multiple disciplines together to create what I do. Right. But it's like sitting down and someone goes, okay, so talk about this thing. I'm like, but I don't know how to start that sentence. Or I don't know how to put that out there in the contents uh, pieces. Like the only way I can really do it is by doing, say, my podcast, or mm. soon to be my YouTube channel. Um, mm. Other people have problems with, say, for instance, do I have enough authority to speak about this? Uh, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. So it's kind of a, it's a thing they need to check on themselves. But let's just say they do know what they they do know, but they don't believe they know what they know. Okay. Um, 
And the third one, as an idea, just kind of like throw it in there, would be in terms of the content marketing, would be what mediums to place it in so it gets seen by the right people um, yeah. to get shared. So like, how would you tackle those things? I'm sure you go way more into depth than this when people are working with you, but like, just what would be some of the tips that you could actually impart here? So um, it sounds to me like you are the kind of person who processes while you speak. Is that correct? Entirely, yeah. Yeah, because you say you take your podcast or your YouTube channel, and so that's that's how you kind of organize and synthesize, synthesize uh, your disparate disciplines and areas of concentration, and that's great. Um, so the thing for you is you just you just got to speak. The other thing is um, when people struggle with clarifying what it is they do. Sometimes, if you sit down with an actual pen, which I hate using myself, so I'm going to say that up front, but if you sit down with a pen and a piece of paper and just start writing, it's amazing what comes out. And a lot of people journal. I don't know. Do you, do you journal, Otto? A lot. I journal. Uh, I have a little hack for it, though, which I'll share. Um, yeah. But I'm like, uh, I'm not like you in the sense. I actually love having a notepad and pens. Like, so many notepads and pens in my house. Okay. Um, just the way my brain works. But the journal I use is, uh, I have a hard time pulling out a notepad and writing something down every day because I'm like, oh, just so much writing. I'd rather just speak it out. Mm -hmm. So um, do you know the five minute journal? Have you heard of the five minute journal? Five minute journal? No, I mean, there's so many journal possibilities out there. I haven't heard of that one. So it's a bit of an old one. It's about nine years old. <clears throat> the process is that you basically write down, uh, in the morning, you write down uh, three things that you're grateful for, uh, that in that day, I'm grateful, whatever, what will I do to make today great? And what's your daily affirmation? Then the evening it's like, what are three amazing things that happened today? And how could I make, how could I have made today better? Now this journal, yeah. I actually owned a physical copy of it and I hated writing in it because it meant I always had to do it. Even if I was like, all I want to do is chat and play computer games. Now I have to go write this journal before bed. Oh no, I forgot. So the hack I found around it was uh, from another one of my podcasting friends that's been on the show, Chip. Chip Franks, he actually uh, told me to get the five minute journal app. Uh, I have okay. an iPhone, so I got it. Um, it's five bucks. I was like, screw it, I'll get it. Um, best thing I've invested in, in terms of keeping like a, a track of, because I can look back at what I was grateful for in, say, August or in September and go, okay, I have that memory now. I can look at what I did right and what I did wrong. The only downside is you don't get to write notes about like how, why it didn't go the way it did. Mm -hmm. But the, again, please continue. So, Yes. No, no, I love I love that actually. I love having an app. That's a great idea. I mean, for me, the way I journal is um, I just open a Google Doc and I write at the top, you know, so I, I'll have, it'll end up being like 30, 40, 60 pages by the time I say, okay, that's the end of journal number six. Let me start the next, the next Google document, you know, and I just keep writing at the top, at the top, at the top. Um, and I can, that way I have it with me everywhere I go. I can write in it when I'm in my bed. I can write in it, you know, when I'm, out somewhere and something strikes me. Yeah, yeah. So it's not. I mean, my app is Google Google Docs, but I I love the uh, the idea of the other kind of app where you keep track of um, what you're grateful for and stuff like that. I'm gonna check that out. What's it What's it called again? Five minute journal. So if you just do you have, if you have an Android or an Apple, yeah. one, I think you just type in five minute journal. So it's a numerical five. That should come up. Um, okay, that's great. But you know, uh, but to go back to your your original question, um, and that was a good digression, I think. By the way, uh, to go back to your original question about how do you pull stuff out, I think I think journaling is is a great way to do it. And there are a lot of different ways you can try. I mean, one is you can sit there and imagine that you're having a conversation with your ideal client, and you write you, what you would say, then you write what they would say, and then you write what you would say, and then you write what they would say, and you kind of go back and forth. And um, that you'll be amazed what comes out when you do that, when you actually put, literally put yourself in the other person's position and what would they say and write it down. So that's really powerful. Um, another thing you can do is just, you know, go through the whole what's 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 the day, a day in the life of your ideal client? What does that look like? Um, but the key thing is, since we're in a business, right, we need to think not just what are they doing and what are they thinking and who are they seeing? I mean, we want to write a day in the life from the point of view of identifying when are they in like buying situations, you know, places where they need to make a decision. How do they make a decision about something? Um, maybe it's making a decision on what are they going to cook for dinner tonight? Well, was it because it was quick 
fucking easy or was it more more or less expensive or they were trying to impress somebody? And if you can identify how they're making some of those decisions, you can begin to identify how they make their buying decisions. And sometimes writing this out helps you with that. Does that make sense? Entirely, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, I forgot. What were the rest of your questions? <laughs> this is how bad it is. Like, I go on tangents and I forget what I actually asked. But I think the second one, like, the first one was about like how to come up with ideas. Uh, yeah. The second so was uh, how should like doubting whether or not you should put content out there. Like, let's just say they are the expert. They do know what they're doing, but they have that niggling self-doubt in them about mm -hmm. whether or not they can put the content out there. Okay. Um, I think the key is to identify where you are in the trajectory of that particular niche or market. Um, are you are you going to be able to teach beginners, or are you going to be able to teach advanced uh, middle people or advanced people? And if you are still relatively early in the process yourself, be honest with yourself, be honest with your audience. And really look for the people that you know you can help. So look for beginners. Don't try to speak to middle or advanced people if you're not at that level yourself. You should be one level above the people you're trying to help. And I think I think that solves that problem because you know everybody brings their own personality, they bring their own experience, they bring um, you know they bring their unique self to what they're doing and the people that they're helping. Um, it doesn't mean that you can't help people just because you haven't been doing it for your 10,000 hours yet. If you've only been doing it for 3,000 hours, help the people who, who haven't done it at all or have only done one or 2,000 hours. Does that answer that? That answers that perfectly. That's a great way of actually looking at it and shifting your mindset to it. Yeah. Uh, my third question, which is, uh, so my third question really was more down towards, oh crap, I actually had it like for a second and my brain just like drew blank. So let's see, we got the first people that are like, how do oh, I actually write wasn't, things? Wasn't it about how to how to decide wh where to put That's your content? Yeah, where, where to release your content and how to get the attention of the people that you want to get the attention of. Well, first of all, you're, you're only going to put your content where your audience is located and you need to know that anyway from the, you know, as I said, going back to looking at your ideal client, um, where are they? Where Literally, where are they? Are they at your local gym and you got to put up posters at the local gym? Are they at uh, your library? Are they um, in certain groups online? Where do they hang out? You have to know that. And that's where you're going to post your content. Um, in other words, if you are talking to 60-somethings about losing weight or getting ready for retirement or whatever it might be, you're not going to be probably posting on Instagram because they're not there. But if you're talking to 20-somethings and you're not on Instagram, you are absolutely missing out. So it just depends on where your target audience is located. I agree entirely. But like, I mean, let's just say, for instance, your target audience, typically, they're on Facebook, they're 35 to 45 years old. I'm making this up, by the way. This is not okay. my audience. Is 35, 45 years old. Uh, and that big, that big thing that they're looking for right now is um, how to, like, the entrepreneurs who are looking to overcome procrastination, right? Right. So my question is, how do you write and position your content in such a way that allows other people to actually get, uh, to actually have eyeball, eyeballs onto it? So how do you get traffic to your content? So that's my question to you. Yeah, okay, okay. So you got to, yeah, so you're figuring out um, where those people are who are frustrated because they're always pro procrastinating. Um, what you, it, it just comes down to picking one, not that you wouldn't have necessarily a couple of ideal like personas. You could certainly have several ideal personas. Start with one, you know, and give her, give that person a name. Say, this is Amy. She's 42 years old. She struggles with procrastination. Um, she's got three children in school. This is, you know, and you go through who she is and what does she do with herself during the course of the day, where is she located, and what are her biggest pains, problems, and concerns. What TV shows is she watching? Maybe you use some um, uh, cultural reference that you know your target audience is excited about and use that as the hook to grab her attention. Um, either that or some pain that you know that she's really struggling with. That's your hook to grab her attention. It just really comes down to knowing your audience. If you don't know your audience, you're not going to have a business. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Like researching your audience is one of the most key things that you could ever understand how to do. And
Right. I'm kind of glad that you kind of have that one up on everyone by going, no, I was teaching other kids how to research that stuff. So now that makes you a little bit more, uh, I'll say deadlier is the word, but it is <laughs> in a sense. It makes you a, a better challenge, which is what it means. It makes you a better writer. Right. So kind of like jumping off of this as well, because we have the whole thing with the book and stuff. Um, yeah. So yourself personally, like, what is it that like really excites you? Because I know you have your podcast out as well, um, right. which is known as the Sales Podcast. Yeah, it's uh, copywriting for sales pages, and um, yeah, so I've got I've got some great interviews. You're going to be on there soon, and a bunch of I got Todd Brown and Ben Settle, and um, but I'm not just doing copywriters. I'm doing business owners too because that's really the target audience for that show. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. And to be yeah. fair, there's not that many. I would say there are there are good copywriters, but there aren't that many great copywriters out there to really interview. And what I mean by that is that there are, say for instance, you had a thousand episodes. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be difficult to fill that with a thousand. But it's going to be difficult to fill it with a thousand, the top of the top, the cream of the crop kind of people. So right. like, having diversity is always a good thing. Right. Uh, right. But like my question is on your on your podcast particularly, like how do you guys break down? Uh, like, what do you guys talk about particularly? Do you have like a more free flow? Uh, is it more of a free flow uh, show, or is it a little bit more structured? So well, my goal is is it's called copywriting for sales pages, but really it's it's about persuasion in in, in print or text, um, and, and that that's really the the key. Um, but copywriting is a, is a good search term, so that's why it's in the title. <laughs> and you know that's a lesson for people always uh, no matter how how cute you think your title is going to be you want to be found so you've got to use search terms that people are actually using and and you got to do your research to find out what that is so copywriting is, is a common search term so that's why it's in my title even though it's not told it's it's the primary purpose of the of the show but to answer your question is sales pages are how we um, we as online marketers are um, speaking to our target audience and saying, this is your pain, this is your problem, um, these are people I've helped solve the problem, this is the, the unique mechanism that will help you solve your problem, and here's, here's my offer to you if you think that you're ready to actually solve that problem, and not everybody is. Um, so that's the pur purpose of a sales page, but there's so many other elements to that. How, how do you get people to the sales page? Yep. So I'm, you know, I'm going to talk to a Facebook ads person. I'm going to talk to, you know, other people who provide other kinds of, of ways of getting people to that sales page. We're going to break, we break down different elements of the sales page. Like I had a, a great conversation with Ben Settle about influence. Um, a great conversation with Todd about the big idea, you know. And um, so what are the elements of copywriting or persuasion, really, persuasion in print? Um, I had a great conversation with Joel Irway about uh, web, uh, webinars. And um, because that's not in print, but it's still in text. You know, you're still trying to persuade people through the through in this case the spoken word instead of the written word. So that's and, um, that's the purpose of the whole show. And also, you and I. Well, to be fair, it's kind of strange because by the time people listen to this show, I would have already been on your show. So yeah, so, I'm not sure when <laughs> mine mine is backed up in terms of uh, when things go air. Also, so I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure if this one's going to go live or yours on mine is going to go live first. We'll have to well, see. What we're going to do then is that there's going to be links in the description when it goes live so you guys can go <laughs> check it out. We'll always update these. But one of the things that we're definitely going to be speaking about that I want you guys to go listen to, um, regardless of whether her show's drop first or mine does, just go listen to it when mine comes out because what we're going to be doing and talking about specifically is going to be um, the element of asking for the sale, which is where far too many people screw up in my opinion. And even the way that we used to, uh, so you know who Mark Joyner is, right? Yes. Right, so I had Mark on the show, great guy, love him to pieces. Um, after the show, we discussed uh, how I actually ask for the sale in a sales letter or anything else. And he looked at me and he just went, uh, he was like, you sneaky motherfucker, you found a way to like pass the tripwire of asking for someone to give you their payment details. You found a way around that, mm. but while asking them to buy things. I was like, yeah, it's not that difficult. He goes, Okay, you need to talk about this a little bit more. So that's why I love talking about it because it's one of my favorite things to do. Yeah. Um, I actually write most – something very few people actually know is I usually write the close first for every sales page. Um, so mm -hmm. that's where I start, and then I go back up to the headline and then write the rest of the letter to it because <laughs> I'm oh, like – interesting. Yeah, um, especially when I have writer's block um, particularly. It happens rarely, but 
it does happen um and that's really just down to like time and research and overwhelm and anxiety and everything else coming into play and people don't really address that but that's really cool that you have that on your show now one of my favorite questions to really ask and feel free to really go for, uh, go to town on this one um i'm gonna actually first of all i'm gonna ask are you an avid reader yes or no or are you more like uh videos oh i am constantly reading all okay, the time so- so we're gonna yeah. so we're gonna change this question for you because I feel like uh, you are going to be very similar to like my previous guest Brad Goss. When I asked him this question, he kind of went and added more. So feel free to add as many as you feel comfortable. So let's just say it's five. Um, what we're gonna do is, what would you say would be the five most influential books in your life? Now here's the caveat. I need maybe let's actually yeah let's do it this way. Five non-fiction books that have been um influential in your life and three fictional slash movies that have been influential in your life so all in all a list of eight okay okay um rats i wish you had given me this question in advance so i could think about it but let me see what i can come up with well to be perfectly frank the the number one most influential book that changed my life was a purpose-driven life by rick warren by who um by Rick Warren. Okay, Rick Warren. Got it. Cool. Yeah. Purpose Driven Life. Absolutely changed my life. Um, uh, I mean, I'd grown up as a Christian my whole life. And um, when I started reading that, I realized I could actually have a, a personal relationship with God. And um, I'd never really experienced, I mean, I was an intellectual Christian. And I still kind of was for a long time. But that was that was really the, the turning point for me. Completely changed everything. Um, so that's really the number one book for me that I have to say. And then, gosh, um, I mean, I have to be perfectly honest. This last 10 months, I've been on a spiritual kick (laughs) and I've been reading, I've been reading a lot of the kind of the standard books. I've been reading books by David Benner and, um, uh, some, some books by Eugene Peterson. And I mean, probably a lot of uh, a lot of your listeners may not know at all what I'm talking about, um, but there you go. Those those are the books that I've been reading for the most part. Um, another book that I've just started reading that I think is, uh, with regard to business, that I think is going to be really powerful is um, uh, Buyer Personas by Adele Ravella. And I, I'm already getting a ton of value out of this. And again, it has to go down, has to go back to... <clears throat> really understanding who your target audience is and understanding how to interview them and um, get to getting to those, those buying insights that I talked about earlier. Uh, it's not just what are they doing and thinking about during the course of their day, but what are the decisions they're making? That's kind of my personal interpretation of it. What are the decisions they're making? How do they make those decisions? And then what does that mean in terms of how they make buying decisions? Because that's what we're really looking at in terms of um, you know, being a marketer person with a business that where we need to sell stuff. Um, what about other books? Um, like, like I said, like Dallas Willard is another guy that I've been reading recently. And, uh, uh, renovation of the heart is, is a transformative book for me that I've read this year. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think I'm answering this the way you would have expected at all. <laughs> oh, oh my God, no. I, the way I expect this question to be answered is exactly as you answered it. It's, okay. Those are the questions that were influential and impactful to you. So that's why I asked. Yeah, it's, it's all personal stuff. I mean, the most impactful stuff for me is, per, oh, actually, <clears throat> this one is not a spiritual one. This is, this is another absolutely uh, mind-bending book for me. It's called Mindset by Carol Dweck. That com- book. Yeah, yeah, I love that book. That's really powerful. And actually, um, a Dan Pink book. Um, selling as Human? Yes, selling uh, To Sell as Human. Yep, yes. that was another one. Yep. That's a great book. So um, those are, I guess, those are the, those are some of the books that um, jumped to mind off immediately. I mean, if, if I had a few minutes to, to write a bunch of them down, I'd come up with an organized list, which is what <laughs> I like to do being the librarian that I am, right? But, yeah, that uh, part of your brain's like, I need order. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, brilliant. So, okay. So, what were the nonfiction books then? Like the complete. Oh, no, you, the, no, sorry, the fiction, fiction books. The fiction um, books. Yes. Okay. Oh, you my bad. Yeah, you can't not talk about um, Harry Potter, and you can't not talk about um, 
the Ring trilogy. Yeah, yeah. Those are <laughs> the books, the movies. I just I love those. Those are so fabulous. I love escapism like that. Yeah. Um, and then I guess the other big thing is I'm a big Star Trek fan and Star Wars. So there you go. You got four. <laughs> so, wait, so you're a Star Wars fan as well? Yeah, I grew up oh, watching Star Wars. Or Star, okay. Yeah, Star Wars and Star Trek. Absolutely. So I have to ask, okay, so yeah. from a Star Wars perspective, what was your take on, so you know the new generation movies that have come out? Yeah. Uh, let's just say the last, oh my god, what's it called? So you had Solo, Rogue One, yeah. Last Jedi, and Force Awakens. Out of those four, how, which ones would you rank and how would you rank them? Oh gosh. Yeah, I'm curious there because like I have my own order. So let's let's name them again. We've got Last Jedi. What are the others? Uh, Force Awakens. Force Awakens. Solo and Solo. Rogue One. Rogue One. Um, I think the Force Awakens was awesome. Yep. I yeah, yeah. So I'd have to go with that one. Um, Rogue One was great though because that all of a sudden you were like, wait a minute, there's this whole other thing that we didn't even know about, which was very cool. Um, I don't know. It's hard to rank. I I think Solo was was fun. Um, the problem with it though is you know the ending, and you know you know here he's got this love interest, and you know they're not going to get together. So that kind of <laughs> it kind of takes the fun out of it. Yeah, just a little bit. But for me, what yeah. really kind of surprised me was the reveal of Darth Maul. Yes. I don't care. Spoiler alert, really. By the time this show, by the time you listen to this, if you've not yeah. seen it, you have no interest. So I yeah. don't care about that. But yeah. like the Darth Maul bit actually really got me because a Maul, because so very few people actually realized that he survived. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. How could he survive? He was cut oh, in half. Oh, okay. Seriously. Wow. Okay. This is fun. I never get to tell this. Um, so they actually showed it in the Attack of the Clones um, uh, animation. And I did not see any of the animations, and I have heard that they kind of, you need to know that in order to understand the whole picture. Yeah, and um, the thing is, I actually didn't watch them for a really long time, but there was a woman that um, whom I absolutely love, and she knows who she is, uh, and I love her to pieces, and she lives, uh, she, she's abroad, she doesn't live in the same country as me, but what, what she said to me was she actually told me, go because she, she works for uh, a branch of the Star Wars companies, in the states and she was telling me i really need to watch um clone wars so okay. i watched it like clone wars and attack of clones watched the series it's amazing so the way that darth maul if i remember correctly how he survives is that he doesn't actually die but becomes robotic from the waist down okay very similar to how vader does it but then he ends up leaving the emperor and ends up going his own personal way and starts his own criminal gang and stops using the force for a very long time. Mm -hmm. um, but then I don't remember how his demise happens as well. I don't think we, I think we go into that, but I'm not really sure. Okay. What I, what I loved about it, there's this one scene in Solo that I love, um, and they set it on Cinema Wins, which is one of my favorite uh, YouTube channels, and that was um, Donald Glover, aka Lando Corazian. Um, sitting mm -hmm. there and monologuing himself while they're on the on the Kessel Mines, mm -hmm. and I think the comment was a lesser actor would have had this scene cut from the movie because it was so funny. It was one of my favorite scenes, just at how he's like Captain's log. It's like I have another cape. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of. I, I think part of that I've just realized who he reminds me of the character uh, Lando Calrissian in Solo. Reminds me a little bit of Zap Brannigan from uh, Futurama. Oh, I haven't seen Futurama. Oh, you'd love it. It's so it's so deliciously messed up. It's fun. Okay. But it's it's my, it's my it's son has talked about Futurama. He's a big movie guy, so I, I haven't seen it though yet. I think you'd enjoy it. It's a little okay. bit. It, it's uh, it's adult for the time that it was shot in. So it was a fifteen for the time it shot mature rating. For time okay. shot in, but now looking back to it, it would be classed as mature, but also it's very, very funny. So a lot of the jokes are very humorous and quite clever because it's from this creator of The Simpsons. They were very good at doing something, uh, okay. something along those lines. Now, so my other question for you is uh, quite, and um, by the way, my order, just for the Star Wars fans out there, it goes uh, Rogue One would probably be the best one, just simply for that Vader duel at the end. And yeah. You don't really get to see Darth Vader's sassiness in the other movies until this movie. Yeah. 
just like the whole thing where he chokes Krennic and he's like, try not to choke on your ambition. I was like, oh, oh, we're making puns now. Is that what's happening here, Vader? Yeah. Using the force to choke a man and then tell him not to choke on his ambition. Kind of cool. Uh, so Rogue One, then it's Last Jedi. Not Last Jedi, sorry. Force Awakens. I put Last Jedi as my least favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I put Solo Bob, but the only reason is Last Jedi had that whole side quest mission thing that made no sense. Okay. Yeah, I that's my... Hmm? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. I'm kind of glad to know that you're a Star Wars fan as well. That's kind of amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess my, my one way, uh, other questions really from this um, is really down to like this idea of when, how do I put this? So when you were actually in your career, an early part, or even just recently, whenever it is, where you just feel kind of, you're, you're kind of knocked down. Your confidence is shaken a little bit. You don't really know uh, whether or not you can actually climb up that hill one more time. Mm. What is it that you do that actually gives you the energy to climb up that hill? Honestly and truly, I, <laughs> I spend a lot of time in prayer, period. And um, I feel um, loved and cared for by God, and that's that's what keeps me focused and keeps me going, and knowing that um, I'm using my gifts and talents to help other people, and um, that's the focus. It's not on me. It's on what I can do for other people through uh, the gifts that I've been given. That's incredible. That's a really powerful way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I enjoy that. So, I guess my perspective really in question here is like, do you particularly have a special way that you pray or is it just something very similar to that you read the Bible or is it just you sit in thought and meditation and gratitude? Those are good questions. Uh, I definitely spend time in gratitude. I spend time in what you might call worship, just appreciating um, how great. Uh, this is so interesting for me to ha- to articulate this in a podcast. I have to tell you, I've never done this before yeah. so it's interesting that you asked me these questions it's kind of a personal issue and but you know what i'm gonna go ahead and lay it out there right so um it, maybe it will help somebody but yeah so uh, some of it is in, in in gratitude absolutely some of it is in actual worship where i recognize you know the all power of almighty god and and how great um you know how great he is and sometimes i look at myself and i think i'm like a little ant or less compared to him and yet he still loves me so much and how amazing that is. And so I spend time in worship and I spend time in intercession for other people and then in, in petition for myself and, and my own concerns. Um, and I do read the Bible and I actually have been um, doing a discipleship program with a pastor at our church recently. And, and so I, I, um, uh, I'm working through the, the gospel of Mark and I just take a, a few uh, paragraphs and I actually journal about those paragraphs and I feel like I'm learning new things about what the, the Bible is speaking to, the, how God is using the word to speak to me through what I'm writing. And that's why journaling is so powerful. Um, and then I also just spend time in what some people might call meditation, which is just um, sitting quietly, feeling my body, um, and then just being aware of anything that, you know, whatever flits into my mind and I observe it and then I can say, okay, go away. You know, and I just be open to um, to the presence of God and what he may have to say to me. That's incredible. Thank you for sharing that, by the way, because I know um, it is a personal thing to actually ask. The reason I usually tend to ask stuff like this is because I grew up in a multi-religious family. Okay. So I uh, I identify as Muslim, um, but my cousins, they're Christians, they're Jewish, they're Sikh, they're Hindu. We have all sorts in our family, and I love mm-hmm. it to pieces. Mm-hmm. so it's just really interesting to me to how people do it and something i picked up from there just if anyone's wondering oh what could you pick up it's like for me it's like going back and reading verses of the quran and journaling on that because i never thought of doing things like that you know find a passage in the quran that i really want to write down and really think about and become grateful to yeah that's a whole different thought process so that thank you for giving me that idea of what i'm glad i'm glad yeah I'm, I'm going through the whole gospel of mark and you know, a couple of paragraphs a day and just journal, you know, the, the three questions are what is actually happening? So that's a summary. Then what does it mean? You know, kind of go a little bit deeper. And then what is God saying to me through this passage? Yeah. And like so it's, it's, it's interpretation application, which is powerful. Right. And right. that works universally, by the way, for anything that you're doing. I mean, anything. I, I mean, you could use it for a poem. You could use it for, you know, um, 
uh, a speech that you've heard somebody give that you think is really amazing. I mean, it could be an, an essay that you read. It could be, it doesn't have to be any kind of scripture. It could be almost anything. Exactly. As long yep. as you, it's just a case of pondering and moving forward, which is great advice anyway for understanding anything, really, right. is see how it feels to you. And I guess my favorite question really to ask on the show as uh, as we're nearing to the end is when you were going through um, everything that you've gone through, including like, you know, working with Kim, working, doing everything that you do, what were the three pieces of advice that you'd give someone today that's either struggling or plateauing? What three pieces of advice would you give them in terms of their career? In terms of their career? As um, if they were a writer, if they were an entrepreneur, like what right. three pieces of advice would you give them? Um, one of the pieces of advice that I got from Justin Devonshire is make it easy for your, for your, um, for your prospect to give you money. I, and I mean, this is a real business thing, obviously, but it's, it's so basic. Make it easy for them to give you money. And that means... Give them a variety, and that's why in my my system, when I talk about integrate your offer, that's why I say, you know, you've got to have a variety of offers because people are ready in different, they're in different places in their ability to be ready to work with you, and yet they still have a problem that needs to be solved. So how can you help them solve it, even if it's at a very basic level, and they're only going to be able to spend a few dollars or a little bit of time, or you can help them at a really high, intense, hand-holding kind of a level. Um, you know, make it easy for them to give you money. I mean, that's basic business advice. Um, and as far, yeah. And as far as, you know, other types of advice, um, remember that it's not about you. And I said that earlier, it's about the other person. And so often people get hung up on either making the offer or uh, hung up on, Oh, I don't know enough, or I'm not good enough. Or why would somebody buy from me or something like that? It's not about you. And, and actually, that's the first line in my favorite book, which is Purpose Driven Life, is it's not about you. <laughs> it's about how you help the other person. And if you can keep that in mind, you'll find that it's much easier to just pick yourself up, even when things are not going well, and say, yeah, but I have something to offer that's valuable. Maybe I'm not speaking it in the right way. Maybe I'm not speaking to the right person at the right time. And those are good questions you still have to analyze if your business is struggling. But it's not about you. It's about finding how you can help the right person at the right time with the right offer. Um, so that's number two. And then, um, you know, for me, number three, of course, is, you know, it's all of this is just um, is minor in comparison to the big issues of life which is, are we, you know, as a country, are we taking care of the least of these? Are we, you know, do we have children that are in camps that have done no, that have done no harm? Why are they there? Why, what can we do to stop that? Um, are there people who are um, still without power and, and months after having undergone, you know, a, a hurricane? I mean, why, why is that happening? What can we do about that? Um, you know, so business is great, but it's really minor in comparison to life's bigger issues. And when we can keep perspective, um, then things are just, it's easier to get up every day and remember, hey, somebody's got it a lot worse than I do. What can I do today to get up and help somebody else? Exactly. And that's a really beautiful way to look at it. It really does help out, especially with the mindset, especially with the attitude of gratitude as well. Right, right. It's, it's there. Now, I do have one final question for you because this only came to me while we were, as you were speaking right now, it just hit me like right between the eyes. So like, oh, I really need to ask this. Going back to something that you mentioned earlier about the fact that uh, I know this, that I, I process when I speak yeah. uh, far better. So my question to you here is if you want to write a book, for instance, and your primary, uh, your primary mode of understanding what it is that you want to write is verbal, how do you translate that over to writing a book? Do you do an audio book and then transcribe it, or what would you suggest? Uh, basically, yes, and that's actually what I encourage all of my clients to do. And I'm just, you know, this is value tip for the day. Okay, this is how you get a book written. If you know, once you've got your system organized and you know exactly what it is, that is the basis for the chapters that you put into your book. And then for each chapter, you write down bullet points. All you need to do is write down bullet points so that you're organizing your thoughts in terms of, okay, this comes from this, this, and this comes from this, and this comes from this. And so you create a series of bullet points, just like you learned in high school, when you're outlining your 
thesis paper, and then you, you talk through recording, you talk through each chapter one at a time and get it transcribed and then um, either you or hire somebody to uh, take that transcription and smooth it out and make it uh, prose that is easily readable because we don't speak the way we write. Uh, writing is, um, we fix things. Whereas when we speak, we just kind of talk off the top of our head. But if you have bullet points, that helps you get it organized. Does that answer your question? I mean, it, it, I, that's the way I tell people to do all the, all the writing, quite honestly. That, that's very powerful because I do almost the exact same thing. <laughs> that's sure. actually what, that's what I tell people to do uh, with writing copy. If they have a hard time sitting down to write, I'm like, just verbalize it. Right. Or start an audio file, just go through it, and then edit what's there afterwards. It'll be a lot simpler. Lots um, and you always just imagine that you're talking to somebody who's sitting across the table from you. Exactly. It's one of yeah. the most powerful things out there. But Debbie, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Guys, go check out uh, DebraCOwen.com. Um, check out her authority system as well. Just get in touch if that's something that you can definitely uh, need help with or could work with De uh, De uh, Debbie on because I know she will be able to actually help you, as you've heard on the show. And again, thank you so much for actually being so open and sharing so many different things. This was great. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm looking forward to uh, talking with you again really soon. Likewise, sorry, there was a really loud noise in the background. And likewise, I really uh, cannot wait to speak to you and keep in touch with you as well. Guys, go check out Deborah's site and go make sure that you take action on everything that we've talked about today. You have no excuses now. You have, a, you have a definite way of how to write your book as well, including the bonus tip at the end. Um, and check out Debbie's podcast. Um, just again, what's the how would they find your podcast? Yeah, it's uh, there's a link on my website, but also you can find it in iTunes at Copywriting for Sales Pages. Excellent. I'm going to like end it there because I think they're starting to do something quite heavy lifting outside. Guys, I'll see you on the next episode. And Debbie, thank you for being here again. Thank you.